reading this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 1, uh, verses 20 through 33. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called, and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand, no one is heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel, and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel, and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way, and have their fill of their own devices. For the simpler are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure, and will be at ease without dread of disaster. This is the word of the Lord. Can you hear me now? Awesome. The Verizon guy, what's he doing now? Um, I don't want to know what he's doing now. <laughs> Is he in jail? Oh, he's Sprint. Okay. Well, at least he's not in jail. That's good. So last fall, as I was saying, last fall, my wife and I, we went on a uh, retreat for pastors and wives, and um, it was uh, encouraging to us. Uh, we, w- we did this thing that was called uh, um, Happy and Crappy. So let's just let that soak in for a second. Um, basically, we were asked, you know, what this year has been really happy and what has been crappy? Uh, and and uh, people went around the room sharing um, their experiences. And we found that really edifying to not only look at what we could celebrate through the year, but also revisit some things that, um, you know, were, were difficult. And, uh, and, and I wanted to ask, you know, do you ever take time personally or uh, as a couple or as a family or uh, in, a, in a community group with your, with your friends? Um, do you ever take time to, to ask, right, to reflect deeply? What is my happy and what is my crappy? 
Have you ever done that? If you haven't, I encourage you to do it. It's really, it's a good time, okay? <laughs> it's also a bad time. It's hard. It's hard to do that, if you're honest. Um, but it's good. Uh, the proverb in front of us, it urges us to observe, right, to learn and, and to listen from our experiences. I want to notice that uh, right out the gate, <laughs> verse 21, that, that wisdom, it shows up publicly out in the open spaces. Right? That's the very first thing we see. And we might uh, know somebody. Um, uh, maybe this, this person has a ton of learning, right? Ton of, ton of head knowledge. Uh, maybe they went to law school or they went to med school or they went to uh, seminary. Uh, and, and they have a ton of knowledge about the subjects that they've studied, right? Case law, anatomy, theology. They might be like an expert in those things. They put the hours in mentally. But do they know how to apply that knowledge, right? All that study time. And, 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 and carry that out into the public square, right? Because wisdom lives out in the open, right? Another thing I uh, just want to mention right up at the start is uh, just because, you know, somebody is a very good surgeon or someone's a very good theologian, right, that does not make them a good person to be around, right? Uh, one great example, anybody seen uh, Marvel's uh, Doctor Strange? You were just thinking that? Psychic. You got this. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Dr. Strange, yeah, he's a terrific neurosurgeon, right? I mean, if you get in some kind of traumatic accident, he's, he's your guy. But as Rachel McAdams' role in that movie uh, testified, he would be a terrible boyfriend or fiance, whatever he was to her. I, I can't remember. But, you know, you, you would not want to be a real friend with the guy. He was not a good guy. Uh, to be around. And so um, all to say, right, uh, he, was, he was a bad human being. And uh, so, so how has the gospel changed someone personally, right? That's what we're thinking about. Do, do, does a person live in any way different at all because they believe the gospel message? Um, again, that's where wisdom lives. It lives in the real world. And so um, looking around the room, I'm, I'm sensing, though, that you know, there's at least one or two people in the room who, you're still thinking, man, I don't know, Proverbs doesn't really seem like it, it applies to me. I'm not really sure if it really has to do with me. Um, and I want to ask a, a hard question. Let me ask, what's, what's your general attitude when you're reading a proverb? Right? If you come across a proverb and you're reading it, do you often think, this is a really good proverb for so-and-so? Right? Like, this person's so dumb. Like, they need to hear this proverb. <laughs> but we should suspect ourselves first when we're reading Proverbs. That's my point. Okay. Proverbs are meant for our growth in wisdom as much as it is for anyone else's. And we all need to grow in wisdom. I need to grow in a ton of wisdom. So, so, the, so you're invited to listen to wisdom. Um, the question this morning that's, that's being pushed on us, pressed on us, is who is going to listen to wisdom? Will you? Will I? Um, I, hope, I hope we will. I hope we'll begin to listen. And, and I want to begin uh, by looking at three things this morning. I want to look at wisdom's plea, the very first thing. Yeah, if you're taking notes, wisdom's plea. Then wisdom's warning. Yes, there's a warning with wisdom. But finally, wisdom's promise. 
So there's a plea, there's a warning, and there's a promise that I want us to think about and consider this morning. Um, let's look at the first thing, wisdom's plea. Um, before we, we, we really dig into this, uh, ha, has anybody wondered why wisdom is described as a woman? Why isn't it described? Yeah, why wouldn't it be? Of course. <laughs> I knew I was going to get some, get into trouble. Uh, right, does this mean we should only listen to wisdom and, and men have nothing good to say? Right, right, ladies? Right? See my wife nodding. She's like, yeah, I like this. Um, I'm being coy, right? But uh, remember, last week we talked about in the, the context of Proverbs. This is uh, a father speaking to his son, okay? And I just want to think about this for a second. If, if you're trying to get a young man's attention, what's the best way to do that? Talk about a girl, right? Talk about women. That's a good way to get your son's attention. He'll be very interested. Um, and so, so uh, uh, wisdom is enticing in that way, right? What, what could be, possibly be more attractive to a young man than learning about a woman, right? Learning about wisdom. So, so that's, that's a, a, a very uh, real um, reason, right? Uh, if I'm in a room of teenage boys and I start talking about expiation, uh, atonement theory, if I start droning on about the history of the Westminster Confession of Faith, 19, I mean, it's not, not 1917, okay, I'm going to stop. Um, right? I, I'm going to lose everybody. But as soon as I start talking about a girl, ears perk up, everybody's listening, right? Is that true? That's true, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Testifying right there. This is great. Uh, right, wisdom's attractive. She makes a good plea. It's one that you want to listen to. Um, it's attractive. And so uh, anybody can become wise. All you have to do is begin to listen to wisdom. And you need to turn away. Uh, this, this proverb opens up and teaches us that we need to turn away from one of three things. And so I want, I want to read what these things are, but I'll, I'll point it out first. All right, first, don't be simple. I'll explain it. Don't worry. Don't be simple. Second, don't be a fool. And third, don't be a scoffer. So those are three things. Uh, let's look at verse 22 to see what this means. Um, verse 22. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Right? So those are our three things. So first there's the, the simple. Uh, and this is a, a, a reference to somebody. Right? It's, a, it's a reference to somebody who refuses to ever grow up. It's like the Never Never Land people, yeah? I just want to be in Never Never Land. I just want to, I don't want to ever grow up. Um, and, which, I can understand that, but okay. The, so I'm getting way off track here. The, the psalmist, the psalmist puts it like this. Um, chapter 32, verse 9. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and brittle. Right, so, I mean... The description is of, of an animal, you know, that needs to be corrected so that it does not veer off the path. And, and, and the, the psalmist is encouraging us not to be like that, right? Um, he encourages us to don't imitate horses who have to be guided by every step because we have been made in the image of God. That means that we are given 
a certain amount of capability. We are given a certain amount of value. We are given a certain amount of responsibility. And it means that we're capable of of making good choices, right? Um, We don't need to pray about whether or not I should drink an entire gallon of milk right before preaching a sermon, right? Right? That would be really simple if, if we... If, if, if I was somebody who thought that would be a good idea. And uh, yeah, right. Uh, so last week I was reading a uh, sermon by John Chrysostom, uh, one of the most uh, popular preachers in the fourth century in the early church. And uh, I came across this, and it's really fascinating. He said this, look, I'm quoting, we are more irrational than donkeys and cattle. Look, we are even more irrational than birds, the turtle dove and the swallow. Do you wish to learn another instance of our obtuseness? He makes us, he's talking about God. He, God, makes us disciples of the ants to such an extent that we've lost our natural wits. For go, it says, to the ant, O lazy bones, and emulate its ways. He's quoting from Proverbs 6, chapter 6. We'll get there eventually. He says this. We who are made in the image of God have become disciples of ants. It's a really profound insight because typically like when I think about it, it's like, look at the ant, be so encouraged because the ant is a hard worker, <laughs> right? That's usually how we think about it. It's like, actually, God's making a total diss. Like, this is a total diss right now. <laughs> like, you, you, that, that an image bearer would have to be a disciple of an ant is a diss um, because we are made in, in God's image and we are capable of, of so much more. Um, so don't be simple. And then we see how long will the scoffers delight in their scoffing? And that's the second thing I wanted to point out. Um, don't be a scoffer. So a scoffer, what's a scoffer? Um, this is a category for somebody who, uh, likes to jeer, uh, and mock. And, uh, maybe if you're into reading English lit, uh, you've come across, uh, the term, but if you're not in English lit, I can't really think of that many times that you hear scoff, right? It's not really a, a word that we, that we use often. Um, but the Psalms open with this term, right? Psalm 1.1 reads, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Right? So there's an instance where we at least... Uh, or might be acquainted with it. And so a, a scoffer here, right, is likened to being a sinfully wicked person, the kind of person who laughs when others are sinning, who does not take God's judgment seriously, and who, um, in some instances, where scoffing's use, right, uh, hosts a party to make everybody feel like uh, what they're doing is okay, but is really breeding uh, division and, and condemnation for all who gather um, just to bring this into the present, right, we might scoff, and we might not even realize that we're doing it, right, when somebody cuts us off on the road, right, and we go, what's a word that we might use? I can think of many words that we might use. I cannot say them right now, but you know what I'm talking about, right? That we, we scoff. That's a good way to put it. We scoff. Urgh! Right? You're frustrated. 
and you're thinking ill of someone else. That's a nice way to put it. The third one, the fool. Okay, the fool we probably can relate to a little bit more. Um, the fool is somebody who thinks that they have everything under control when in reality they're not in control. I think the, the best New Testament example for this is the, the parable of the rich fool. Anybody remember that parable? I'm going to try to get this one right this time. Um, so uh, Jesus mentions it in Luke chapter 12. Uh, it's a guy who, who he, he trusts in his riches, right? Jesus' teaching on, on, on wealth has, has some teachings on that. And, and he trusts so much in his wealth, right? And so he builds a barn. In fact, no, he doesn't just build a barn. He builds a very large barn, right, to store up all of his riches because he's a wise guy. He's a good investor, right? So he puts all of his, his possessions, all of his wealth, everything that he loves, all of his money, and he puts it in this big barn, and he's got everything stored up for life, and he goes, I can eat and drink and be merry. This is awesome, right? Like, I got life set. What happens? Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. God takes his life. Yeah, he dies. <laughs> that's what happens. So what happens to that guy's money? Does he get it? Nope. How foolish is it to be like the rich man, right, who puts all of his cards, right, into love of money and yet doesn't get to take it with him because he goes to the grave. Um, and so wisdom makes this plea in the, in the streets, right, not to be a fool, not to be a scoffer, not to be simple. Um, for all the reasons that we've already discussed, right, um, it would be very unwise to to be like these things. And so we need to pay attention. We need to learn from wisdom. We need to learn uh, what the simple won't. We need to learn what the scoffers won't. We need to learn what the fool won't. So who will listen to wisdom? Uh, I want to look at wisdom's warning now. So if, you're, if we're reading on from verse 22, verse 23. Verse 23 says, If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you, I will make my words known to you. Okay. So wisdom gives us a warning. And this warning comes to us in the form of reproof. Um, is anybody familiar with reproof? A couple people? Like three people? Maybe four people? Okay. Reproof is not an, it's another one of those words. Okay. We don't use it a lot. Um, or at least we don't hear it used very often. And uh, it comes from a Hebrew word, term that means to correct or to persuade, right? To convince. And uh, it has a lot to do with changing direction. Uh, for example, when one of my sons, and I'm not going to say who, whom, when one of my sons starts hitting our dog, okay, I have to correct him to stop doing that, right? So I have to say, Son, right, if you keep doing that, she's going to bite you. I wouldn't do that if I were you, right? Those are reproofs headed his way. And my son can do one of two things, right? My son can listen to his dad, which is the thing you're supposed to do. And kids always listen to their parents. Am I right? Can I get an amen? Always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't. Um, and so the other thing he can do is, of course, what... <laughs> our kids often do, and that is not listen, right, to dad. And what happens if said kid hits dog? What happens to said dog? Said dog does what? Bites the kid. Yeah, 
It's not, not pretty. Let's hear what the Proverbs has to say about reproof, about this warning. Um, keep reading on. Verse 24. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you've ignored all my counsel and would have none of my, what's the word? Reproof. I, will also, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my What's the word? Reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. And only because I use my kid hitting our dog as an example will I say that I only sometimes laugh when he does that. Just sometimes. Maybe more than sometimes. Maybe all the time. Sometimes all the time. Okay. Um, But in this section of the proverb, right, we hear this description that wisdom laughs. Okay, wisdom laughs, bless you, at what happens to the fool. And, and does that mean that God is cruel? Does that mean that for some wicked reason God just loves uh, watching people suffer or something? Uh, like he's like the kid in the playground who's like burning ants. You know, just since we were talking about ants, it's on, on the mind now. Um, you know, with a, a, a okay, whatever. Nobody did that as a kid. Definitely not. Um, uh, so the, the, the laughter here, right, it, it's not cold-hearted. It's not cruel laughter. It's, it's a laughter that is uh, at, at making choices that end up going in an obvious direction. Let me illustrate that for a second. So if I'm reading a sign, right, and the sign says one way. Anybody ever seen a one-way sign before? couple people. Everybody's seen a one-way sign. Okay. What happens if I decide I am driving? I don't care what that sign says. Ain't no sign going to tell me what, it, what, you know, what I'm doing in my life right now. I am driving that way. I am a driven person. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. Right? That'd be foolish, right? We would say that would be simple. That would be not what you should do. Um, and it would be laughable to watch somebody do that because what's the outcome of somebody willingly driving through a one-way street? What is the outcome? Some kind of accident, some kind of kaboom. Yeah, it's not going to be good. It's going to be ugly. And, and so it, it's, it's laughable in that sense because you're like, you're literally driving against traffic. What else do you expect? Um, and so if we, we, if we decide to live life without God, uh, there really is no reason for our existence. We really are just specks of dust in an ever-expanding universe that keeps growing and growing and growing, and we're just tinier and tinier and tinier and smaller and smaller and smaller, and we don't matter, and everything's meaningless, and what is the point? And a person who decides to, to live life apart from relationship with God, with the God who made everything, is going to find life being absolutely full of futility. Um, in the book of Ecclesiastes, another uh, wisdom literature book in the Old Testament, uh, 
it opens up talking about vanity of vanities, or uh, as a Hebrew professor I once had likes to translate it, absurdities of, of absurdities. Right? That life apart from God is absolutely absurd. Why is it absurd? Because no matter what a person pursues, the end result is that everybody dies and we don't get to keep all the work that we put in, all the time that we put in. If we have all knowledge in the world, right, at some point in our lives, as we get older, what happens to our mind? What happens to our vast knowledge, right? We actually become childlike. Curious case of Benjamin Button, great movie. It's a really great way to you know, see that visually, right? Start it. Anyways, that's a great movie. Um, but, well, should qualify that. I saw it. It was a great movie. I'm not recommending that you watch it if it's not a great movie, okay? I, um, yeah, I'm just going to qualify that. I was warned not to ever give movie recommendations from the pulpit, so just take it lightly. Um, <laughs> If we have all wealth, right, as we, as we just talked about with a rich fool, what happens to our wealth, right? If we're trusting in all our wealth, we're storing up all our riches, eventually what happens? We don't get to keep them, right? Um, and the point here, which is the, the point of Ecclesiastes, uh, a point that Ecclesiastes makes, is that it, it's, it's absurd to put our, our trust in acclaim and stuff and people, um, we can't ever get out of money or out of work or out of romance, any of these things, right, or fame, the kind of satisfaction and fulfillment that we are all absolutely longing for. They just don't deliver. Um, that kind of satisfaction, that kind of meaning can only come from a relationship with God and nothing else is going to satisfy. They, nothing else me- measures up. And I say this as a a fellow Christian, a fellow believer, who gets caught in the same exact trap of thinking that these false gods are going to deliver, and they don't. And I know, for a fact, that God is better. And I know that many of you know, because I've heard, right, whether it was in your testimony, your story of how you came to Christ, your membership interview, or just you sharing and and sharing um, what's going on in your life, um, I've heard right, that God has met you. So we don't have to refuse to listen to God shouting his mercy into our lives because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Um, So I want to turn to wisdom and listen to her in wisdom's promise here. Um, so the last two ver- verses in front of us, they describe the outcome of the simple and the outcome of fools. And so let's take, take notice. Let's look at verse 32. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. Okay, let's just think about this. So when, when, when we read, right, when I read, the simple are killed by their turning away, it totally makes sense that the simple get killed. Totally makes sense. Um, I already mentioned this, but right, if you drive down a one-way street willingly, it's not going to be good. A um, person probably deserves death um, for doing such a thing. Uh, like, 
it's, it's like seeing a, a, a warning sign, right? In a, 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 ever get a package, you open up a package, and there's those little tiny packets in there, and it's full of poisonous stuff, right? And it says three words on that little packet. They're very important words, apparently. Right? They say, do not eat, right? Now, it's put on that tiny packet, theoretically, because there is a kind of person in this world who is probably going to open that packet up, maybe say, hey, I like salt and pepper, and I don't know what that stuff is, but I'm going to put that on my In-N-Out fries too. Right? This sounds like a really good idea. Um, you should not do that. Right? Do not eat is put on, there, on that packet. Um, to warn such a person right, not to do such a thing. Um, and the simple are killed, right? So, so all that to say, we can get, right? We can understand why the text says that the simple are killed, right? But the next one, I think, is a lot harder to, to process, a lot more difficult to take in. Proverbs 32, second part says, and the complacency of fools destroys them. Um, I think maybe that's because, you know, right, when we tend to think of somebody who's complacent, uh, we might be thinking of someone who is lazy. Um, but already uh, I mentioned the rich fool, and anybody who, who knows somebody who's acquired a ton of wealth, right, they probably were a very hard worker, right? They probably did a lot of things right, did a lot of things well, and put in a lot of time to obtain such wealth. And so, um, Sure, uh, this rich fool became lazy after he obtained all of this cash money, right, after, after a certain uh, point of time, but he worked hard for that money. And so what do we make of the fact that it's the complacency of fools that is what ends up destroying them? What are we to make of that? The answer to that question has to do with our understanding of what it means to be complacent. All right, so a complacent person is not somebody who's lazy, but a complacent person is somebody who is totally satisfied with their accomplishments. Someone who's complacent is content with their achievements in an unhealthy way. It's somebody who no longer lets reproof come into their life. It's somebody who goes on living life without ever being put into check. And so maybe that describes us in that we've grown indifferent to God's correction. I want to read verse 25 again. Verse 25 said, you have ignored all my counsel. Right? So maybe somebody brings a complaint to us and we go, Pff, I don't need to hear that. Right? I got other things to do. Um, I could care less. Right? So are we neglecting to hear God's reproof in our lives through other people around us? It's a question for us. Or maybe it describes us in this way, in that we've gotten defensive when God corrects us. Verse 25 also says this. It says, you would have none of my reproof. All right, so when somebody confronts us, when you're being confronted by somebody, are we blind to that correction? When we get defensive, and by the way, um, I'm saying this as somebody who does get defensive. I'm a human being, too. <laughs> That's uh, what we do. Um, so I'm not above this by any means, and please hear me out and, and don't uh, ignore me if I've ever gotten defensive around you. 
Um, but when we get defensive, right, we, we tend to do one of three things. When we get defensive, we deny or we minimize or we shift the blame. So three things that we, we usually do. When we deny it, right, we're, we're refusing to take responsibility for our own actions that cause offense. And so we get defensive. When we minimize, we're refusing to take other people's perceptions seriously. And when we blame shift, right, we're actually just passing it off to somebody else instead of considering it for ourselves, instead of taking the criticism for what it is. And so you might this morning find yourself in any one of these places. Uh, maybe you're defensive. Maybe you've been indifferent. Maybe you found that as I described the fool or the simple or the scoffer, you're going, I think I'm one of those. Maybe you're all of those right now. I don't know your heart. I don't know where you're at right now. Um, I can't read it, uh, but you can. Uh, you are, in fact, you are made in the image of God, and so you are capable of that kind of moral judgment and that kind of understanding and that kind of exploration, that kind of self-examination and inquiry into your own heart to assess where you're at. And you're capable of hearing this plea for wisdom, this warning from wisdom, and this promise from wisdom. Because Proverbs does go on to deliver a promise, and I don't want anyone to miss it. Verse 33 says this, But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. What a, what a great promise that is. To live life securely. To dwell at ease, right? To be at peace. So a wise person is somebody who remembers who God is, who, that, that, that God is our Father through Jesus Christ. And this Father is all-powerful. He rules over everything. He's in control of everything. Um, I love how the, the Heidelberg Catechism puts it, that not even a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father, my Heavenly Father. That He, has, he exercises rule, all rule over all things, but He has such devout care and concern for our every need. That's the kind of God he is. And that nothing happens, good or bad, without him knowing it, without him knowing what we need when it happens. And God gave his only begotten son, Jesus, for us. How will he not give us everything we need if he's already in Christ bestowed his gifts upon us? lavished us with such abundance. So look, all of us lack wisdom. Those are the facts, right? All of us lack wisdom. We've all failed to seek wisdom. But today, right now, God is offering each one of us and all of us in Christ, the Christ who is the wisdom of God. That Jesus himself was publicly crucified out in the open, right? out in the marketplaces, as it were. Cast outside of the city of Jerusalem, publicly hanging on a cross. The wisdom of God was displayed as he hung on Golgotha, on Calvary. And so do we hear this morning, do we hear his plea, do we hear this warning, and do we hear 
the promise of ease and security that is only found through Jesus Christ, the Lord. This gift of wisdom is being held out to any of us, and as James urges us, uh, he says in James chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's another promise. That's a promise we can pray for. That's a promise that God will deliver. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, although we're very well aware of the fact that we do not have wisdom, that we're often simple, we're often fools, we're often scoffers, uh, we're often indifferent to our neighbor's concerns, we're often defensive. Father, in all these ways we see our need for wisdom. And we're thankful that you promise to give us wisdom when we ask for it. And so this morning we ask, I ask for my brothers and sisters who are here right now, who I, who I know very well, and, and for those who are new, who, who maybe it's the first time they're at redemption, I, who I don't know, but I pray for wisdom for each one of us to live our lives out in the open, publicly, walking in wisdom, and that wisdom that is in Christ, your wisdom, the wisdom of God, that is based on the gospel of Jesus. Father, we thank you that you grant us wisdom. We thank you that you're teaching us through the Proverbs right now. We ask that we would listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.